Welcome to Millennium Live, a digital diary podcast. We sit down with the top C-suite executives and talk all things digital transformation. Today, I am joined with Dr. Omar Manajwala from Dario Health. He is the chief medical officer and he is one of the leading experts on behavior change and chronic disease. As a board certified psychiatrist and chief medical officer at Dario Health, he leads the company's clinical solutions that drive durable behavior change. He is also the recipient of numerous awards and the author of several publications, including the best-selling book, Craving, Why We Can't Seem to Get Enough. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Manajwala. Sure, it's my pleasure. Do you mind just giving us a brief background on Dario Health? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. So Dario Health exists for one reason, which is to drive sustained behavior change in chronic disease. You know, chronic diseases really are the primary problem in healthcare, and behaviors contribute in an outsized way to outcomes in, in chronic disease. And many of the challenges we see in managing chronic diseases could be avoided if people were supported to do things differently, to do things in a, in a healthier way, uh, more consistently. So that, that's very hard to do, but digital health provides a unique opportunity to do just that. And, and Dario focuses specifically on using AI, artificial intelligence, digital tools, uh, tech-enabled personal coaching to really create the types of behavior change that drive improved outcomes and, and really uh, reduce that total cost of care. Chronic disease is definitely going to be the topic of discussion today as you are clearly an expert in it. And so can you just tell me what you think the state of chronic disease is today? Yeah, uh, sure, Katie. So, so chronic diseases are, are really difficult. You know, they're hard to live with. Everybody, everybody knows somebody with a chronic condition. Uh, many folks are, are really uh, struggling. That it can be challenging to have chronic conditions. It can be challenging to be, to be a caregiver for someone with a chronic condition, to have someone with chronic conditions in the home. So, you know, things are getting worse. Uh, people are moving less. Uh, they're weighing more. Uh, and overall, chronic conditions are, are worsening, and, and the costs are the costs are increasing. There are more ER visits, um, hospital stays, reduced productivity in the workplace. It, it, chronic disease costs across stakeholders is um, over a trillion dollars. A trillion dollars, just a staggering kind of figure per per year. So it's what's amazing is that this is the main problem. Everyone is focused on it, and yet it's getting worse in, in every demographic. Yeah, it seems that way. Yeah. What do you think the impact of chronic disease is on individuals, em providers, employers, and health plans? Yeah. Uh, okay. So in all four areas there. Yeah. So chronic conditions really impact across the entire entire ecosystem. Mm -hmm. for, the, for the people themselves, the first part of what you're saying, for the people themselves, the people who are struggling with chronic conditions, you sometimes see, and this is very sad, by the way, uh, Katie, sometimes you see a, a real uh, resignation. It can be hard to follow through, to build the habits that stick. You know, it's very stressful. Uh, a lot of times you'll see employee productivity lower. And people with a chronic condition tend to have other chronic conditions. So, you know, it's really challenging. You, you see absenteeism, you see presenteeism, which is being present in the workplace and not performing to your best capability as a result of these conditions. And then on the provider side, which is the, the second part of your, your question, you see challenges with folks who are sick, uh, lower adherence to, to the recommended treatments. Many providers are, are challenged right now to try to improve the quality of their care. They're working inside structures that are really aligned around improving the overall quality of care. 
but that can be really difficult to do as people are getting sicker and sicker. And then on the health plan side, health plan side, that's really reflected in difficulties in reducing avoidable utilization, but also uh, hits to the top line from, from quality metrics. So if you take all that together, you know, chronic disease is having just a, just a tremendous impact across the entire healthcare landscape. What are you hearing right now from payers and employers about their solutions for digital health? Yeah, so, so what we hear from payers, really payers and employers, is that they're seeking solutions that are, you know, of course, clinically effective, got to be clinically effective. Um, they look for solutions that are highly engaging uh, with really good enrollment and retention metrics too, because these are chronic conditions, so you got to stick with it. They're looking for clear transparency around the data, and that's missing in a lot of places. So they're looking for clear transparency. Um, they're looking for low friction on outreach, you know, that kind of outreach that doesn't uh, annoy or cause complaints or anything, but outreach that's really valuable uh, to people. Certainly, they're investing in their own archi- uh, you know, systems and architecture, and they, they're looking for interoperability. Uh, data security is you know, table stakes. You have to have data, data security. And then maybe most importantly, I would say uh, value-based contracting and a near-term hard ROI, an ROI that aligns with the required time horizons. You know, hard ROI, which is reductions in total paid claims, measurable improvements in financially relevant quality metrics. So, so how do you do that, right? How do you do all that? You know, there's, there's definitely a need to do more than just encourage people um, to behave better for more healthier behaviors. I, th- I think most people with health issues already know that. They already know they need to do things differently. So I think if you just are constantly reminding people that they need to improve their behaviors, well, that's just, you know, that's just shaming. And shaming has never been shown to be effective. So people don't like to be reminded that no one wants to be reminded that they're sick. Right. So as a result, you see a a lot of digital health tools in the ecosystem that are not um, they're just not delivering the kinds of results that either they promised or that people expected. So if you're a payer, you know, if you're an employer, you know, you're you're increasingly aware that you got to have these digital tools. They're going to play an important role. But how are you going to solve those challenges related to engagement? A lot of times what you see is engagement and then engagement fades rapidly. And that ends up being reflective of the kinds of short-term health improvements and outcomes that we see in solutions that are not really designed for engagement. They're not really designed for behavior change. So if you're in a payer, if you're an employer, you recognize, I think, and people really are recognizing that members and employees have a digital life. You know, they live in a digital world. They use their phones. And there's a need to support people beyond just the telehealth visit at the times and in the places where life is actually lived. That, that changing behavior and driving better outcomes really requires digital health. And they're just struggling to find the right solutions that, that check those boxes for them. So that really leads me to my next question, how you're saying it changed the dynamic and the behavior. But digital transformation is happening so quickly at a much more rapid pace. Yeah, that's true. So how do you say that this transformation is changing the dynamic for care and the outcomes? So you're certainly... There's no question you're seeing increased access to care. And then some of the health inequities that you see. By the way, uh, health inequities, uh, these are a disastrous consequence of healthcare's failure um, to adequately address the fundamental inequality throughout the entire healthcare continuum. So if you're able to increase access to care, remove some of those barriers to democratizing access to to care, then you can really help mitigate some of those structural uh, inequities that exist in healthcare. But also, you know, for your question, you, you can see an opportunity for expanded insights 
uh, into care. You have more and different types of health data. You have actionable health data in, in new and different types. So you have the use of artificial intelligence, which when used responsibly can really empower people to understand their, their conditions better and provide the kind of support that, um, that's most likely to drive uh, favorable outcomes. So the, the basic idea here is get better clinical outcomes and better financial outcomes with a solution that's more scalable. And this is where it's really unique, more convenient. I think that's where it's at. Absolutely. Much more yeah. convenient, especially sure. here. So right. I want to talk a little bit about digital therapeutics. So they are a part of this transformation. Sure. So what specifically, what role do they play given and related to chronic diseases? Digital therapeutic solutions really expand the existing chronic disease approaches and the components of engagement with the goal of driving uh, lasting uh, health improvements and lasting outcomes. So we're seeing validated peer-reviewed outcomes, improvements in HEDIS, improvements in STARS related to digital therapeutic interventions. And, and you know, Katie, we were not able to say that a few years ago. So quality, uh, cost, um, outcomes, now, that's really what we're, we're shooting for here. So we're looking for opportunities to scale solutions to allow people convenient access and novel insights into the various levers of, of engagement that can significantly improve health outcomes and reduce those costs of care. And, and what we see is that digital therapeutic solutions, if they're built on an open platform, okay, if they're built with architecture that's designed to integrate, unfortunately, that's not the norm. But if they are and they're built on platforms that are designed to integrate, then they really can span across multiple areas of the ecosystem, multiple chronic conditions. So the silos that exist that kind of prevent effective integration, that require these multiple competing user experiences, a lot of friction, people don't like using them, um, those things can be solved, but only with, with thoughtful you know, digital design, user experience design. And, and then I would say... Finally, what we're seeing is that telehealth is super important to this, but, uh, you know, more than 99.9% uh, of, uh, of your life is lived outside of a provider visit. Like, you know, I, and I say this as a doctor myself, you know, you exercise outside of the provider visit, grocery shopping, social interactions, all outside of the doctor's visit. You swallow all your pills, you take all your injections pretty much outside of a telehealth visit. You set your alarm clock, you wake up in the morning, you, all your social interactions, all the behaviors that are going to drive outcomes in chronic disease and ultimately affect cost, all those things happen outside the doctor's visit. So, um, so this is a unique opportunity to not only see what's happening outside of that visit, but you know, to influence what's happening outside of that visit. And that's going to be critically important to improving outcomes and, and reducing the, the total cost of care, reducing paid claims. So how can digital therapeutics accelerate clinical and cost of care improvements across the entire healthcare ecosystem? Yeah, so uh, digital therapeutics really can no longer function as they initially did. You know, with closed systems, not sharing data, not allowing others to see what's going on and, and participate in the solution. You know, health plans have already invested in care management, in provider networks, in quality programs, in other areas. And, and digital solutions out there, and this is most of them, unfortunately, that require plans to change how they do things or uh, require plans to double pay for their resources, you know, that's a recipe for failure. And, and, you know, just to be completely frank about it, most digital therapeutic solutions out there are just priced too high um, or they're billed in these long, long six-month blocks of billing, even if people don't engage. 
that's just not fair. It's not going to scale. It won't socialize throughout plans. And it leads to a soft ROI or an R if there's an ROI at all, or, or an ROI that's outside of the required time horizon because of member churn or engagement that's so low that any achieved ROI that you do get becomes functionally uh, irrelevant. And that's why you see many solutions that try to pitch to health plans and then they pilot and then they fail. They pivot to employers and that's if they even get to, to health plan pilots. So then the question is, you know, what's the alternative? What's the alternative? Digital therapeutics with low friction, high engagement, validated uh, clinical outcome uh, metrics, transparency in engagement, member level data, a lot of interoperability and a real ROI. Those are the ones that are going to win the day. Those are the ones that will accelerate. And to achieve those is going to require a focus on behavioral science adaptive personalization and relationship science. And, and, you know, I say relationship science, you don't hear a lot about that, but everybody who's tried to do healthcare without relationships has failed. Everyone has failed. And people are most likely to engage when they um, believe that they're being observed by someone who cares about them. So people need these relationships. They need supportive, understanding, encouraging relationships that allow for connection, that allow for accountability. You know, at Dario, we talk about accountability without shame. We say that what matters to people is often far more important than what's the matter with people. So digital tools can scale the ability of coaches and others um, to help more people, but it's only effective if it retains that personal connection, that caring and, and understanding. So if you're going to achieve that at scale uh, with digital health, that's going to require a very high degree of personalization. It's important because people connect in different ways and even within a person, you know, we see changes over time about how people prefer to connect, the timing, the tone, the channel, uh, the content, the frequency, uh, all those things uh, around what people like and what they'll respond to. AI-driven care journeys can uh, personalize those to optimize outcomes. I, I think in healthcare, we talk a lot about how one size doesn't fit all. You hear that over and over again at conferences like this and other places, but yet we continue to adopt solutions that only offer a few care journeys, or if you say that there's like five journeys and that's personalizing, but that, that you know, to accelerate, we really need a user experience that integrates all those, all those concepts. What are the essential components of an outcome-based digital therapeutic solution? Yeah, so here you're going to see several things. Um, so first and, and foremost, uh, what you're looking for is behavior change. Behavior change, and not just short-term behavior change. These are chronic conditions, you know, chronic, long-term. Uh, and so if the behavior change fades, if it's temporary, if those habits aren't formed in a consistent way, well, then the results aren't going to deliver and the, the value is not going to deliver. So it's really about sustained behavior change and that adaptive personalization I mentioned uh, a little bit earlier. So it's the ability to deliver an individualized care journey, okay, that's going to be useful to people focusing on what matters uh, to them. What people want changes over time. And so that adaptive personalization can only be done at scale using AI. So ultimately, I think there have been many solutions out there that have tried to completely remove the human connection. And the promise of that may remain on the horizon, but based on everything we've seen so far, human connection remains critically important to driving engagement and outcomes. I think that's you know, settled for now. And that can be uh, delivered at scale using tools uh, and technologies that enable coaches, that enable others, providers and others, um, to manage a larger number of people that they're working with, you know, in the thousands not rather than in the tens. Um, but at the end of the day, human connection, human connection, the sense of relationship, 
the feeling of connectedness, that's turned out to be very critical to driving outcomes in, in chronic disease. So you have mentioned behavior change and personalization a few times throughout the past yeah. couple yeah. minutes. And obviously these two topics are in the spotlight in this industry. So can you yeah. tell me how they're interrelated, what impact they have on individuals with chronic disease, and what is often overlooked in the approaches to behavior change and personalization? Yeah, so these things are, are very connected, just as you uh, mentioned in your question. Just think about your own life, right? Think about some habit that you developed or something that you were able to achieve that required a, a lot of consistency, that required behavior change, required effort on your part. You know, how did that happen for you? You know, and, and most people, if they look at it honestly, they're going to find that people change in different ways. Different content will resonate with you than with me. Different factors motivate us. Different barriers exist in our lives to these kinds of changes. So really personalized journeys are central to behavior change. Context matters. Meaning matters. None of these things are going to happen in a vacuum. And so what impact do they have on folks with chronic disease? I think that's really important because it turns out for most chronic conditions, there's a few behaviors that really need to change for people to do better. And there are things like move more, um, eat differently, take medications, keep your appointments, uh, nourish uh, meaningful relationships, right? Important, meaningful relationships, and stop unhealthy behaviors like smoking and substance use and others. So these things work together in an integrated way to drive improvements in chronic conditions. And it turns out that every single one of those things that I just mentioned is hard. Every single one is super hard. And people are going to come at it from different angles and change in different ways. You know, you asked something interesting. You asked about what's overlooked. And I think one of the things that's most commonly overlooked in the approaches to behavior change and, and in personalization is this question of differences between people and differences within people. So there are many solutions out there that will let you make maybe pick one of five paths or one of 10 paths. They might ask you up front, well, what kind of coach do you like to work with or something like that? Then they'll match you and that's personalization. The problem is that's not personalization, right? You can't say that there's only five types of people or 10 types of people out there. If you give just six paths or, or do you know five assessments or something like that, there really needs to be tens of thousands of paths, maybe even more uh, through the solution that are adaptive, that responsive, that change over time, that, that really respond to what interests you, what you're curious about, what motivates you, what you're thinking about, um, and then also a deep understanding of what's going to really turn you off and, and maybe even what's offensive to you. You know, context matters, as I said, meaning matters. And so when I say personalized, I'm, I really mean pattern, uh, you know, journeys that are con configuring the services you get, the timing of those, the timing of communication, uh, the tone of, of the messages, uh, the content that's served up to you. Uh, the channel, what channel do you like to be texted to? You like phone calls? What, what do you like? You like to see notifications in apps? And, and then also frequency. How often do you want to be uh, connecting? You got to personalize all of that if you're going to drive uh, outcomes in this space. I just have one final question. Clearly, digital therapeutics play a meaningful role in both health and financial outcomes. Mm -hmm. But how long does it take for these results to be realized for individuals, providers, even employers and health, health plans? Yeah, how long, how long does it take? Yeah, so, so here you're going to see some variability for sure. Um, you know, for folks who are able to change their behavior quickly, you'll see improvements very quickly. So in terms of like quality of life and energy level and sense of accomplishment, you'll see impacts in the workplace, all that very, very quick. Then as health improves, you see improved clinical markers. You're going to find reduced ER visits, reduced inpatient stays, 
uh, lower requirements for you know, second and third and more advanced tier Rx. And you can usually achieve those in a matter of weeks or months. But if you want to confirm those findings, you need to understand the baseline rate or in, in a comparator group. So the costs come down and they stay down. Uh, and the treatment groups differentiate from controls over months. Our studies look at two years, uh, and uh, probably you're going to see results longer than that. So the key is, is to provide sustained behavior change, okay? that value can accrue over time. There's been a, a number of studies that have looked at the value to payers of changing behaviors in chronic disease, the value to payers. And what we usually see is that improvements happen quickly, and then as you avoid the sequela of chronic disease, then the ROI becomes more robust over time. So we see improvements in weeks, reduced costs in a matter of months, and sustained change over a period of at least a year, if not two. And uh, you know, uh, if, if the solutions are value-based, if fees are put at risk, if they're priced correctly, you see solid ROIs, you see sustainable ROIs, and you see those in the required timeframes you know, related to member churn, uh, et cetera. So this is an incredible opportunity, and we're only scratching the surface right now. And, and we're already seeing clear uh, payer value for the payers that have adopted early. Great. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Manajwala. It was great oh, yeah. talking with you and learning yeah, about chronic diseases and more about Dario Health. And hopefully we could chat again soon, but yeah, awesome. hopefully in person one day. Okay. Thanks, Katie. Yeah. Don't forget to subscribe to Millennium Live, a digital diary podcast. You can listen on Apple, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcast. All episodes are available on Digital Diary by going to mel-all.com.